You've survived another week. Thank you for listening, downloading, and supporting the Black Man with a Gun Show. This week, I want to give an honor to those in blue, to all those who protect and serve. This episode is dedicated to police officers everywhere. Now, with that being said, how do you act when the cops pull you over and you just happen to be a concealed carry person? I'm going to give you a couple of perspectives and hopefully it sticks. I'm not going to actually tell you what to do. I'm just going to give you kind of a theater of the mind and let you think about it from a different point of view. Give a shout out to all the police organizations in Maryland that I could think of and a story that happened to be a case that happened here in the nation's capital back in 1981 that says that the cops have no duty to protect you. I'm going to give you the basis for that. All this and a little bit of paying it forward coming up next. Blackmanwithagun.com Ken Blanchard's Pro-Gun Podcast. All right, after John Wayne leads us in the Pledge of Allegiance, I'm going to tell you how all this got started with me talking about the police this week. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right, last week I got a chance to get invited to the Fraternal Order of Police Lodge here in Maryland. And I got a chance to talk to the uh, board of directors or the president, treasurer, you know, the officers for the Fraternal Order of Police. Really cool bunch of guys. Pretty much my age and older uh, with a couple of the new guys, younger guys that fit in there. And I gave him a presentation all of like 30 seconds that I was a podcaster, that I had been a federal police officer. And uh, I'm also a pastor. And they said, hey, would you be one of our chaplains? We need another. I am honored, man. So sitting in this meeting, which now I'm a part of, I found out that these cops didn't have it so well. I mean, these guys were looking at money like they shouldn't have to. They work for municipal departments, most of them, and they are just making it. I mean, they were looking for side jobs to make ends meet. It was it was pretty sad to actually hear some of the financial woes because of the money that's not being paid to these officers, to the retirement systems that don't exist, to the health benefits that don't exist, to the legal issues that exist. And it made me put my own self in check. Like, man, stop whining. I know some security officers that spend their whole day watching Alex Jones on their cell phone and never even look up in the buildings that they're supposed to be protecting. And we have real law enforcement officers that are out there um, fighting drug dealers and crime and, and seeing it, the, the horrors of life, and they're making less. When I was a kid, there was a police show that I watched, and there was a phrase that came out right when it came on that became the name of this show. See if you catch it. One out of 12, one out of 12, a 415 man with a gun.
caught it, right? Right in the beginning. Man with a gun. Yep, that's what stuck. One thing that didn't stick for me was when I realized that police have no duty to come to your aid. It's a court case that happened in 1981. Have you ever heard about it? Let me share it with you now. I want to tell you a story that turned out to be a really horrific case. In the early morning hours of Sunday, March 16, 1975, Carolyn Warren and Joan Talaferro, who shared a room on the third floor of their rooming house at 1112 Lamont Street Northwest in the District of Columbia, and Miriam Douglas, who shared a room on the second floor with her four-year-old daughter, were asleep. The women were awakened by the sound of the back door being broken down by two men, later identified as Marvin Kent and James Morse. The men entered Douglas's second-floor room, where Kent forced Douglas to perform oral sex on him, and Morse raped her. Warren and Talaferro heard Douglas's screams from the floor below. Warren called 911 and told the dispatcher that the house was being burglarized and requested immediate assistance. The department employee told her to remain quiet and assured her that police assistance would be dispatched promptly. Warren's call was received at Metropolitan Police Department headquarters at about 0623 hours and was recorded as a burglary in progress. At 0626, a call was dispatched to officers on the street as a Code 2 assignment, although calls of crime in progress should be given priority and designated as Code 1. Four police cruisers responded to the broadcast, three to the Lamont Street address and one to another address to investigate a possible suspect. Meanwhile, Warren and Talaferro crawled from their window into an adjoining roof and waited for the police to arrive. While there, they observed one policeman drive through the alley behind their house and proceed to the front of the residence without stopping, leaning out the window or getting out of the car to check the back entrance of the house. The second officer apparently knocked on the door in front of the residence, but left when he received no answer. The three officers departed the scene at 0633, five minutes after they arrived. Warren and Talaferro crawled back inside their room. They again heard Douglas continuing screams again called the police, told the officer that the intruders had entered the home and requested immediate assistance. Once again, a police officer assured them that help was on the way. This second call was received at 0642 and recorded merely as investigate the trouble. It was never dispatched to any police officers. Believing the police might be in the house, Warren and Talaferro called down to Douglas, thereby alerting Kent to their presence. At knife point, Kent and Morse then forced all three women to occupy them in Kent's apartment. For the next 14 hours, the captive women were raped, robbed, beaten, and forced to commit sexual acts upon one another and made to submit to the sexual demands of Kent and Morse. Warren, Talaferro, and Douglas brought the following claims of negligence against the District of Columbia and the Metropolitan Police Department. One, dispatchers failure to forward the 623 AM call with a proper degree of urgency. Two, the responding officers failure to follow standard police investigative procedures, specifically their failure to check the rear entrance and position themselves properly near the doors and windows to ascertain whether there was any activity inside. And three, the dispatcher's failure to dispatch the 6.42 a.m. call. 
on a separate case on April 30th, 1978, at approximately 11.30 p.m., appellant Nicole stopped his car for a red light at the intersection of Missouri Avenue and 16th Street Northwest. Unknown occupants in a vehicle directly behind the appellant struck his car in the rear several times, and they proceeded to beat the appellant about the face and the head, breaking his jaw. The Metropolitan Police Department officer arrived at the scene. In response to the officer's direction, appellant's companion ceased any further efforts to obtain identification information of the assailants. When the officer then failed to get the information, leaving Nicole unable to institute legal action against his assailants, Nicole brought a negligence action against the officer, the Metropolitan Police Department, and the District of Columbia. In a 4-3 decision, the District of Columbia Court of Appeals affirmed the trial's court's dismissal of the complaints against the District of Columbia and individual members of the Metropolitan Police Department based on the public duty doctrine, ruling that, quote, the duty to provide public services is owed to the public at large and, absent a special relationship between the police and an individual, no specific duty, legal duty, exists. The court thus adopted the trial's court's determination that no special relationship existed between the police and the appellants, and therefore, no specific legal duty existed between the police and the appellants. So what am I saying? In two separate cases, Carolyn Warren, Miriam Douglas, and Joanne Telefero and Wilfred Nicole sued the District of Columbia and individual members of the Metropolitan Police Department for negligent failure to provide adequate police services. The trial judges held that the police were under no specific legal duty to provide protection to the individual plaintiffs and dismissed the complaints. In a two-to-one decision, the District of Columbia Court of Appeals determined that Warren, Taliaferro, and Nicole were owed a special duty of care by the police department and reversed the trial court rulings. In a unanimous decision, the court also held that Douglas failed to fit within the class of persons to whom special duty was owed and affirmed the trial's court's dismissal of her complaint. The case was reheard by an en banc panel on the District of Columbia's Court of Appeals, and the defendant prevailed, which was the District of Columbia. In short, in Warren v. District of Columbia, this case held that police do not owe a specific duty to provide police services to you based on the public duty doctrine. This portion of the show is brought to you by Black Man with a Gun Reloaded. You can get your autographed copy from me directly by emailing me at blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. For only $20, Black Man with a Gun Reloaded is an autobiographical book about gun control, how I became a trainer, an activist, a speaker for the Second Amendment. This book has a glossary that will make you sharper. It belongs on the bookshelf of every gun owner. Black Man with a Gun Reloaded. Email me at blackmanwithagun at gmail.com today. It's also available on Amazon, without the love. Probably about a month ago, I was online with Avery Skipalis, and we were talking about just general pro-gun stuff, and somebody texted us a question. What should I do if I'm pulled over by a police officer while I'm carrying a firearm? And this question frequently comes up. So I thought I'd just address it today since we're talking about police officers. As a gun owner, you should be aware of the laws of your state, and even more so if you carry a firearm on your person or in your vehicle. 
You should know ahead of time before you're pulled over if you have a, quote, duty to inform, end quote, the officer that you're carrying a firearm. In states that have a duty to inform law, it is required to inform the police officer without being asked that you're carrying a firearm. But in other states, it is required that you inform the officer only if asked. And in the remainder of the states, there is no duty to inform. Know the laws of your state and any of you that might be traveling through it. It's a good idea to do your research and check your local gun laws as they change every once in a while. Now, that's like the safe answer, right? Let me paint a picture for you and see if you can understand where I'm coming from on this. Let's say you had a really, really bad day. From the moment you got up, you stepped into a puddle. So there was a wet feeling on your feet first thing in the morning. You had to clean up the room before you left, right? You got in your car and you were low on gas. So you had to stop by and fill up your tank, which puts you 15 minutes behind, which also got you in traffic. So you got to work late. Everybody at your job was giving you the mean mug and the evil eye. So your day didn't start off too hot. You had meetings for days. Everybody just had meetings on top of meetings and your work got behind. So you had to rush through your lunch and you heard about midday that your son or daughter has some issues at school and might have to go home early, which you weren't ready for. But luckily, before you took off and got the stink eye from more people, somebody decided they was going to pick up your kid or your kid was okay. But your stress level is still there. And then finally, the day is over and you are heading home. You got some work you're going to take home with you to get done. Um, It's not been a great day, all in all. Not feeling too hot either. The pollen is kicking. Your eyes are running. Your nose is running. Only's running and it's not you. You're just feeling like, ah, when will this day be over? Well, you get in your car, you drive home. And you might be going just a little fast. And the next thing you know, a local police officer has just pulled you over. Yeah, not what you wanted to hear. Not what you wanted to see. Blueberries and cherries. All right, so you pull your car over and you almost hit a pothole over there and you're steaming because, man, this day can't get any worse. And then you remember that you also have your firearm in your car and you're worried. You're worried that you might not make it home tonight, right? Yeah. Let's flip the script. Let's get inside the police officer's car now. He followed you for the last quarter of a mile. You looked at a text and you swerved over into the touched the yellow line. That gave him probable cause to pull you over to make sure that you weren't drinking. But he wasn't quite sure who you are or what you are. This is the end of his 10-hour shift. He's tired. Earlier that day, he had heard from his lieutenant that the pension that they are working hard to get isn't going to hold up much longer and it's not really taking care of all the older guys. That many of them will probably have to get side jobs to support their families. One of his good friends got sued in a fight that he was in, and he took all of his retirement money to pay for his court case. And now that he won the the court case, he gets some money back, but his time is lost forever that he used it because he pulled out his money, which is a capital gains. And he's thinking all about that life after the police department because maybe he doesn't want to do this for the rest of his life. He watches the car ahead of him, Hit the yellow line more than once. It's weaving. Okay. 
Time to get this guy off the road. See what's wrong. The car stops faster than he expected, so he has to slam on the brakes. Damn. Almost hit the car. He calls in the tag. But doesn't think it's going to be anything, so he's going to step outside. He's pausing. He's watching. Doesn't know whether this person is Jack the Ripper or his Uncle Jack. He touches the hood lightly. He's watching the driver, his motions, the actions. He's looking in the mirror. He's looking on the sides of the car. He's making sure that nobody pops out from the side. He's trying not to get television and not get hit by the cars that are still going down the street to his left. Earlier that day, his training officer showed him a video of something that happened in Colorado where an officer pulled over a truck and the guy got out and cold cocked him before he got himself together. He was not trying to go out like that. He just wanted to make it home at the end of his shift. Hopefully, prayfully, this one is standard. This one is a regular one. This is just a traffic stop. Nothing more. Generally, I suggest you inform the officer by showing your driver's license and concealed carry permit license up front as a courtesy. For most officers, knowing that the driver has a concealed carry permit signifies a law-abiding citizen that has passed a thorough background check, has taken some type of course that covers basic gun safety, and has some skills. As nervous as you might be when you see the flashing lights in your rearview mirror, it helps to remember that the officer is likely has the same anxiety as well when approaching your vehicle. They have no idea who you are or what they're about to encounter. The officer's goal is to go home safely that night. Do everything possible to ease his or her mind by being polite and agreeable. Let them be in control. And to make the situation easier for the officer, consider this. As soon as you know you're being pulled over, turn on your blinker to let the officer know you're in the process of complying. Slow down and pull off to the side of the road as far as possible for your and the officer's safety. Put the car in park and take your foot off the brake. Consider turning off the ignition if the weather isn't too hot or too cold to do so. And by doing so, you're showing the officer that you don't plan to beat feet as soon as it gets to you. If it's dark outside, turn on your dome light to illuminate the interior of the vehicle and allow the officer to see inside as he or she approaches. You're indicating that you have nothing to hide. Roll down both of your front windows. Oftentimes, the officer will come into the passenger side of the vehicle first. Place your hands on the steering wheel. The officer wants to see your hands. Remember, you don't want to be a threat. Keep them on the steering wheel until he tells you to do otherwise. When asked for your license and registration, let the officer know that you have a concealed carry permit if you do, and that you have a firearm on your person or in your vehicle. Don't say, I have a gun. Proper verbiage is critical. Ask the officer, how would you like me to proceed? When you're allowed, slowly retrieve your current driver's license and concealed carry permit if you don't already have it out as well as any other documentation requested by the officer. It's a good plan to plan ahead and keep your driver's license and concealed carry permit together so that you aren't fumbling for stuff during that traffic stop. Limit your motion that could be misinterpreted as suspicious. Also, keep your registration and license information together in your vehicle. Remain in your vehicle unless you've been told otherwise. The main word is to comply, whatever the officer tells you to do and asks you to do. Until you're free to go. A traffic stop is one of the most scary things to a police officer. And between you and me, now is not the time for jokes or sarcasm or showing how smart you are. Show and give respect. 
no matter what the situation. Your object is to get out of this and live, right? You know, this police job isn't for everybody. Not really. It's really not about pay or money. Some people should not be police officers. But those who have chosen to do so, for the most part, they do it because they like protecting those who can't protect themselves. They like giving help to someone who needs it. They like variety of life. They appreciate family. They're not too bad parents. You don't have to decide what you want to wear to work. And you'll be around some people just like you. Those are just a few reasons why people become cops. And here's an old television show with a conversation between an old cop and a new cop who wondered if he was in the right profession. And this is what the old cop said. In other words, you're a college man. She'd like to have seen you land a job with a little more status attached. Is that it? I guess that's part of it. But not all of it. I think maybe I can understand how she feels. And maybe she's right, Culver. It's awkward having a policeman around the house. Friends drop in, a man with a badge answers the door. The temperature drops 20 degrees. You throw a party and a badge gets in the way. All of a sudden, there isn't a straight man in the crowd. Everybody's a comedian. Don't drink too much, somebody says, and the man with a badge will ring you in. Or how's it going, Dick Tracy? How many jaywalkers did you pinch today? And then there's always the one who wants to know how many apples you stole. All at once, you lost your first name. You're a cop, a flatfoot, a bull, a dick, John Law. You're the fuzz, the heat, your poison, your trouble, your bad news. They call you everything. But never a policeman. Maybe she's right. It's not much of a life unless you don't mind missing a Dodger game because the hotshot phone rings. Unless you like working Saturdays, Sundays, holidays at a job that doesn't pay overtime. Oh, the pay's adequate. If you count your pennies, you can put your kid through college. But you better plan on seeing Europe on your television set. And then there's your first night on the beat. When you try to arrest a drunken prostitute in a Main Street bar and she rips your new uniform to shreds, you'll buy another one out of your own pocket. And you're going to rub elbows with all the elite. Pimps, addicts, thieves, bums, winos, girls who can't keep an address and men who don't care. Liars, cheats, con men, the class of skid row. And the heartbreak. Underfed kids, beaten kids, molested kids, lost kids, crying kids, homeless kids. Hit-and-run kids, broken-arm kids, broken-leg kids, broken-head kids, sick kids, dying kids, dead kids. The old people that nobody wants, the reliefers, the pensioners, the ones who walk the street cold, and those who tried to keep warm and died in a three-hour room with an unvented gas heater. You'll walk your beat and try to pick up the pieces. Do you have real adventure in your soul, Culver? You better have, because you're going to do time in a prowl car. Oh, it's going to be a thrill a minute when you get an unknown trouble call and hit a backyard at two in the morning, never knowing who you'll meet. A kid with a knife, a pillhead with a gun or two ex-cons with nothing to lose. And you're going to have plenty of time to think. You'll draw duty in a lonely car with nobody to talk to but your radio. Four years in uniform, you'll have the ability, the experience, and maybe the desire to be a detective. If you like to fly by the seat of your pants, this is where you belong. For every crime that's committed, you've got three million suspects to choose from. Most of the time, you'll have few facts and a lot of hunches. You'll run down leads that dead end on you. You'll work all night stakeouts that could last a week. You'll do legwork until you're sure you've talked to everybody in the state of California. People who saw it happen, but really didn't. People who insist they did it, but really didn't. People who remember, those who try to forget. Those who tell the truth, those who lie. You'll run the files until your eyes ache. And paperwork? 
Oh, you fill out a report when you're right. You'll fill out a report when you're wrong. You'll fill one out when you're not sure. You'll fill one out listing your leads. You'll fill one out when you have no leads. You'll make out a report on the reports you've made. You'll write enough words in your lifetime to stock a library. You'll learn to live with doubt, anxiety, frustration, court decisions that tend to hinder rather than help you. Dorado, Morris, Escobedo, Cahan. You'll learn to live with the district attorney, testifying in court, defense attorneys, prosecuting attorneys, judges, juries, witnesses. And sometimes you're not going to be happy with the outcome. Maybe your girlfriend's right, Culver. But there's also this. There are over 5,000 men in this city who know that being a policeman is an endless, glamorous, thankless job that's got to be done. I know it too. And I'm damn glad to be one of them. This portion of the show is sponsored by CrossbreedHolsters.com. Crossbreed Holsters has gained national recognition as a maker of the best and most functional concealment holsters available on the market today. Each holster is handcrafted to ensure your firearm is safe and secure while carrying, combined with the best customer service in the industry. Visit CrossbreedHolsters.com. All right, next up is an article that just came out April 17th on the Black Man with a Gun website by my favorite former police officer, David Cole. David says, choose well. Coloradans recently experienced a more or less collective butt-clenching at the possibility that a crazy lady who wanted to shoot up a school might be running around loose in the state. In anticipation of this possibility, they responded by simply closing all the schools they thought might be at risk and keep all the kids at home for the day. The thing is, this is precisely why an on-site armed response capability is necessary every day. Do you think that if Columbine or Virginia Tech or Sandy Hook had actually expected that a shooting was imminent, that they would have been open that day? I guarantee that if you ask any organization which has had experienced, which actually experienced a mass shooting, if they expected it to happen that day, every single one of them would answer no. If they had honestly expected something like that to happen or even think that there was truly a credible threat, they wouldn't do just what Colorado did and close the doors for the day and send everybody home. And, for the record, I find no fault in that decision. I'd do the same thing if I really thought trouble was coming. So what's your point, Dave? My point is that every single mass shooting at a school or business happened when it was not expected. And if one happens at your school, church, or business, it will be also unexpected. Just like every other victim of a mass shooting, you will not have advanced warning. If and when that day comes, the time for avoidance and preparation is over. You'll be forced to react right then and there. The opportunity to avoid bloodshed will have passed, and the only option remaining is whether it will be a shootout or a massacre. And guess what? You have to make that that choice in advance. So choose well. And as David B. Cole recently had a birthday, man, happy belated too, man. And while we're talking about the Black Man with a Gun website, did you see that there was the producers of Top Shot are putting together a team of seasoned snipers and skilled long-range marksmen to co-host a new unscripted TV series for a major cable network? I got a link to it and also a uh, short video. It's a casting call, y'all. According to this, on each episode of this exciting new show, their hosting team will meet a member of the armed forces or law enforcement with an amazing story of marksmanship and attempt to recreate their incredible shot on camera. If you have the background and the ability to recreate impressive precision shots, 
and the potential to co-host your own TV series, then contact them today. Email topsnipercasting at gmail.com with your name, your phone number, and a recent photo, along with a brief description of your qualifications as a long-range marksman or sniper. And tell them you heard it from the Black Man with the Gun Show. Although this is a big list, I kind of want to go through it, and this is just for the state of Maryland. I want to give a shout-out to Maryland Capitol Police. Maryland Department of Health and Mental Hygiene. Yeah, that's a real police department. State agency, also known as Department of Labor, Licensing, and Regulation, police. The Department of Natural Resources, police. The Park Service Rangers. The Motor Vehicle Administration, police department. The Maryland Office of the Comptroller. The Maryland State Police. The Maryland State Fire Marshal. The Maryland Transit Administration, police. Maryland Transportation Authority Police. And then the county agencies like Allegheny County Sheriff's Office and all the sheriff's departments and police departments from Allegheny to Worcester County. And how about the municipalities? Places like Aberdeen Police Department, Annapolis Police Department, Baltimore Police, Baltimore City Schools, Baltimore City Sheriffs, Baltimore City Environmental Police, Bel Air Police Department, Berlin Police Department, Berwyn Heights, Bladensburg, Boonesboro, Bowie, Brentwood, Brunswick, Cambridge, Capitol Heights, Centerville, Chesterstown, Chevrolet Police Department, Chevy Chase Village, Cottage City, Crofton, Crisfield, Cumberland, Delmar, Denton, District Heights, Easton, Edmonston, Elkton, Fremont Heights, Federalsburg, Forest Heights, Frederick City, Frostburg City, Fruitland, Gaithersburg, Gibson Island, Glenarden, Greenbelt, Greensboro, Hagerstown, Hampstead, Hancock, Harvard Grace, Herlock, Hydesville City, Landover Hills, La Plata Police Department, Laurel Police Department, La Coning Police Department, Luke Police Department, Manchester, Morningside, Mount Airy, Mount Rainier, New Carrollton, Northeast, Oakland, Ocean City, Ocean Pines, Oxford, Perryville, Pocomoke City, Princess Anne, Ridgely, Rising Sun, Riverdale Park, Rockville City, Rock Hall, St. Michael's, Salisbury, Sea Pleasant, Smithsburg, Snow Hill, Sykesville, Tacoma Park, Taneytown, Thurmont, Trap, University Park, Upper Marlboro, Western Port Police, and Westminster Police Departments. And our colleges also have police departments like Anne Arundel and Baltimore City, Bowie State, Breakthrough Bible College, Community College, Coppin State, Frostburg, Hartford, Hood, John, Loyola, uh, McDaniel, Morgan State, Prince George's Community College, Salisbury University, St. Mary's, Townsend University, United States Naval Academy, University of Baltimore, University of Maryland, and University of Maryland, Eastern Shore, College Park, and Baltimore County, and Baltimore, respectively. And mixed in there, we also have Aberdeen Proving Ground Police, Amtrak Police, CXX Railroad Police, the Federal Protective Service, Fort Detrick, Fort Meade, Gibson Island, Maryland National Capital Park Police, Metro Transit, National Institutes of Health Police, National Institute of Standards and Technology, National Security Agency, Office of the United States Marshal for the District of Maryland, United States Naval District of Washington Police, the U.S. Park Police, the National Park Service Rangers, United States Coast Guard Police, United States Department of Veteran Affairs, United States Naval District of Washington Police. They have a Naval Support Activity and Naval Support Facility, a Naval Air Station in Bethesda, Indian Head, and Patuxent River. 
and is also the Naval Criminal Investigative Service, you know, NCIS, and United States Army Criminal Investigations Division Command here in the state of Maryland. And we've got a wee little state. If I were to talk about the District of Columbia, we would touch on probably another 60 federal agencies. And then touching on Northern Virginia and Virginia alone, yeah, you would think no crime ever happens around here. But that's not the case, is it? MarylandShallIssue.org It's an all-volunteer, nonpartisan organization dedicated to the preservation and advancement of gun owners' rights in Maryland. It seeks to educate the community about the right of self-protection, the safe handling of firearms, and the responsibility that goes with carrying a firearm in public. MarylandShallIssue.org This is the group, your group, the grassroots group in the state of Maryland. Join us, no matter where you are, MarylandShallIssue.org. Do you have the Black Man with a Gun app? You can find it at the iOS or Apple Store. You can also find it on Google Play, depending on which cell phone you have. The Black Man with a Gun app has links to the YouTube channel, to my email address, to a whole bunch of stuff. You want to keep in touch with your friend and your brother from another mother, get the Black Man with a Gun app now. It is paid for by members like you who thought it not robbery to support a brother and keep not only this podcast on top of the charts, but it also gives you a way to uh, to be a little bit different, a little bit above the fold. Black Man with a Gun app. You can find the Apple one at blackmanwithagun.org. Right now, I'm paying about $10 a week for that. That's $50 a month. So your money helps keep the podcast going. Not only the app, but, you know, hosting and all the cool stuff that I try to do for you here. The research, the time. Become a supporter of the show. Patreon.com forward slash black man with a gun. And you'll be helping. Thanks. To all the law enforcement officers, active and retired, Auxiliary and wannabe. Thanks for your service. Thanks for your commitment. Thanks for for being there for me all my life. Thank you for the friends that I've served with. Thank you for those who have helped me, who continually to help me. Thank you for being a friend that gets my jokes, that understands where I'm coming from. For those who are not in law enforcement but are fans of this show, if you get a chance, uh, pay it forward. Show somebody in uniform some love this week. You might be the only one, the only smile they get. Yeah, while I'm at it, let someone merge into your lane. Give someone the gift of listening. Praise your child more. Don't be afraid to say, I love you. Write someone a recommendation. Raise money for a good cause. Ask someone how they are and not only listen, but care. Just in case nobody else has told you this today. I love you. And it's not a damn thing you can do about it. Until next week. Shalom, baby. Until next time, friends. To keep in touch with Ken and his cause, head over to blackmanwithagun.com. Blanchard.media. 